0: There are schools of thought that believe we have unlimited scope and possibilities for making decisions. The truth is that our scope is somehow restricted and we have less room. It is therefore key that we engage in innovative decision-making to optimise opportunities in our business and personal lives. We need to understand our decision-making skills as individuals and organisations. This will enable us to adjust accordingly to the constant changing environment. Question. Question. If Jesus had taught at Harvard Business School on these related issues, what would he have to say? My name is Tinoke Akimbulmo. Welcome to today's episode of the If Jesus Taught at Harvard Business School podcast. In today's session, we have Adio Jomo, a management consultant in the consulting advisory and training space, discussing the frameworks involved in the consulting practice and exploring the skills of an effective consultant. Peter Ferdinand Drucker, was an Austrian-born American management consultant, educator and author, whose writings contributed to the philosophical and practical foundations of the modern business corporation. With regards to his role in the area of management consulting, he said, my greatest strength as a consultant is to be ignorant and ask a few questions. The word consultant can sometimes be misleading in organisations, because individuals may actually be performing a manager's role. It is therefore important that this difference is understood when it comes to the definition of roles and responsibilities in an organisation, internally or externally. The difference between a consultant and a manager is that a manager is someone who has direct responsibility over the action. The moment you take responsibility, you are acting as a manager. A consultant, on the other hand, is a person in a position to have some influence over an individual, a group or an organisation, but who has no direct power to make changes or implement programmes. Consulting involves providing a list of services to clients ranging from planning, recommending, assisting or advising regarding different subject matters. This could include the following. Personnel financial analysis, auditing, system analysis, market research, product design, long-range planning, organizational effectiveness, safety, HR, and many more. The recipient of this advice is normally called a client. The case study that will be discussed for today's episode will be based on a scenario that happened over 2,000 years ago. The Babylonian kingdom was looking for individuals to work as officials and consultants to the government. During the tenure of their appointment, a problem arose to which the main client, King Nebuchadnezzar, needed a solution provided. It was presented to the in-house managers, but they could not provide any options on how to resolve the problem.
1: Thank you, Tinuke. I've had the privilege of working as a management consultant for over 25 years. This has involved working with some of the top management consultancy firms in the world. My role has involved offering advice to top international companies over the globe. And when I look back over the years at the experiences, the insights and the relationships developed over the years, I can safely conclude that management consulting as a profession gives you the life skills that will navigate you and guide you in the roles and responsibilities required for both personal and corporate relationships. To further discuss these skills, we will discuss using a case study taken from the book of Daniel in the Bible, which was written over 2,000 years ago. The first part of the case study will be used to discuss the first phases involved in management consulting, and this is called the entry and contracting phase. This phase involves the processes around organising the initial contact with the client to explore and discuss the issue at hand.
0: During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his god. The king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy and good-looking men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, that they are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah were four of the young men chosen from all the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle and Azaria. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food, then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, so they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus.
1: The entry and contracting phase. This phase involves the processes around organizing the initial contact with the client to explore and discuss the issue at hand. The first subset of this phase is the initial contact. This can be related to the headhunting or resource planning practices that we see in the marketplace where companies recruit headhunters to choose the best management consulting firms to meet their requirements. In our case study, King Nebuchadnezzar, who we can refer to as the main client, contacts Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, and orders him to hire consultants to serve in his government as special advisors. The second subset is the expertise required. The king gave his chief of staff defined selection criteria for the onboarding of consultants for the implementation of the king's deliverables. They were to be gifted in wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand the ability to serve in the king's palace. These were essential requirements for the onboard training requirements to learn the languages and literature of the Chaldeans, which was the culture of the land. Clients always seek to hire the best consultants to solve their problems in terms of skills, expertise and qualifications. We are told from the case that Daniel and his friends met the selection criteria for the King's training program. In other words, we can say that Daniel and his consulting team met the bidding requirements. They were strong, they were healthy, they were good-looking young men, they were well-versed in every branch of learning, they were gifted with knowledge and good judgment, they suited to serve in the royal palace. The third subset is the first meeting with the client. Daniel was fully prepared for his own first meeting with the client. At the interview, we see that Daniel and his team excelled better than the in-house team of the king. God gave Daniel and his team an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. God also gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. God, who is the source of real knowledge, understanding and wisdom, gave Daniel and his team the ability to understand all the requirements of the client. When the training program ordered by the king was completed, The chief of staff brought Daniel and his team to the main client, who was the king. The client had a chat with them and he said no one impressed him as much as Daniel and his team. As a result, Daniel and his team were hired into the royal service of the king. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. As a management consultant, as a a management consultant, it's essential that you have an edge or a competitive advantage over rival firms that may be bidding for the same engagement. You need to have that creative insight and innovative spirit that comes from the almighty God to enable you to excel. The fourth subset is managing the client's expectation. In the management consulting practice, Meeting your client's expectation is one of the fundamental requirements for good management consulting. So it is critical that we understand what the client expects, both in terms of the solution and the implementation to meet the client's expectation. In providing services, one of the king's expectations was that the consultant should be fed with delicacies which were against their belief system. This conflicted with the consultant's expectation of how they would provide their services, the chief of staff, who from the initial client contact and as a result of God's favor, began to have respect and affection for Daniel. He appealed to Daniel and that the instructions came from the king, that they should align with the specific with the specified diet of food and wine, and departure from this could cost him his life. Daniel did not argue or try to force his belief system or methodologies, but he humbly negotiated with the chief of staff and came up with an alternative strategy that still met the king's requirements. He negotiated for a 10-day assessment period to determine whether his feeding habits of vegetables and drinking wine were more beneficial than those of the client's suggestion of food and wine. The chief of staff agreed, and at the end of the 10-day assessment, Daniel and his team were looking healthier than the in-house team, who adopted the diet of food and wine. The chief of staff was convinced and Daniel and, and Daniel and his team were allowed to adopt their own method of eating. Now, most management consultants have their own methodologies and methods, which may differ from the client. In such cases, a humble approach of negotiation can convince the client to have faith in your own methodology that it will provide the optimal solution to meet the client's expectations. In the next segment, we shall be looking at the discovery and dialogue phase. This phase involves the processes around defining the problem and in conjunction with the client, determining a solution. But first, we shall look at the accompanying accompanying case study still from the book of Daniel.
0: Nebuchadnezzar's dream. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, Long live the king. Tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what my dream was and what it means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. They said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. The king replied, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know I'm serious when I say that if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me the dream and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. The astrologers replied to the king. No one on earth can tell the king his dream and no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among us. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Ariok told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went home and told his friends Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. That night the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. He said, praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded."
1: Discovery and dialogue phase. This phase involves the processes around defining the problem and in conjunction with the client, determining a solution. Define the problem. Now consultants are hired to solve problems and provide their findings and recommendations. The client Nepogeneza, was troubled. He could not sleep and he needed answers. He needed a solution strategy for the interpretation of his troubled dreams. He tried in-house, but found out that no one could provide the solution. They lacked the skill and they even tried to stall, hoping the client would change his mind regarding the urgency of the solution. Eventually, they finally admitted and admitted their deficiencies. They claimed that no one could resolve the issues of the client. So now we are dealing with an irate client. But we know better with hindsight, because in Job, we are advised that There is a wisdom that exists that man cannot find unless he turns to God. I personally have had my fair share of management consulting projects with irate clients. More of that in the next episode. Now, the amount of clients that I've had to sack consulting firms because the firms refuse to admit that they don't have the resource is on record. I mean, I personally have worked on projects that have been previously handled by other consulting firms who did a bad job because they didn't have the in-house resource or the in-house expertise. In other words, (laughs) they were also trying to avoid the death penalty. Now, the client was so enraged that he ordered the firing of all the in-house and external consultants. Now, please note that in this case study was over 2000 years ago. Firing literally means what it says. The culture at that time was to drown them and put them in an inferno. Now, in current days with a difficult client, you can aim to appease the client or you can actually walk off the client's side. Daniel and his consulting team... then they didn't buck. They didn't buck under the pressure. Now, God has highlighted before, had the grace Daniel with all manners of knowledge, understanding and wisdom, as we can see from his approach. He first of all established the scope of the issue by speaking to Ariok. Ariok was a key contact to the king in his capacity as, as the commander of the king's guards. He queried as to why the king ordered the execution. He then exhibited his negotiation skills by requesting more time from the client to interpret the dream. In the next segment, we shall be looking at the feedback and the decision to act phase. This phase involves the processes around the gathering of the key data that will enable the consultants to design an implementation and solution strategy to meet the client's expectation. Feedback and the decision to act. This phase involves the processes around the gathering of the key data that will enable the consultants to design an implementation and solution strategy. Now God has highlighted before, grace Daniel with all manners of knowledge, understanding and wisdom, as we can see from his approach to gathering the relevant feedback data that will enable him and his consulting team to make make key decisions, to meet the client's expectation of the interpretation of the dream. Daniel sourced all the required information and feedback from the key contacts, He first of all established the scope of the issue by speaking to the king's main contact and the person most likely responsible in carrying out the execution. That was the commander of the king's guard, also known as Antioch. He asked Antioch regarding the reasons for the execution order. He then exhibited his negotiation skills by going to the king to request for more time to come up with a solution. Now, I've been in that position before, but nothing as drastic as losing your head. Mine was more a case of trying to convince the client that some of the requirements were unreliable. As I said, similar to this case study, but as I said earlier, my head would still remain intact either way. Now, with enough data and feedback, Daniel made the initial decision of communicating the scope to the rest of the consulting team. He then assigned them the task of pleading for mercy from God so that they would not be executed. Daniel, he took the decision of going to God in prayer, to obtain the solution. Now, this is the same way that we need to approach God for creative ideas and breakthrough solutions so so that all the glory will belong to Him and to Him alone. That night the secret was revealed to Daniel, and we can see from Daniel's response that God provided the solution in terms of the following deliverables. God provided the wisdom and power that control, controls world events, wisdom to the wise. Knowledge to the scholars, revelation of deep and mysterious things to Daniel, revelation of things that are hidden in darkness, the wisdom and the strength of the ancestors. And ap- apart from providing all these deliverables, the fin- finally he revealed to Daniel and the team of what the king demanded. We end
0: this episode with some take-home points based on the initial discussion points on the framework on management consulting and the skills of an effective consultant. Number one, understand and define the problem of the client. Number two, ensure that the right team is in place regarding skills and expertise to solve the problem at hand. Number three, negotiate and agree on the terms of the task at hand. Number four, Manage the expectation of your role and that of the client. Number five, identify the key client contact for feedback and engagement. And number six, identify and define the strategy for collecting related data to solve the problem. In the next episode, we will be concluding our discussion around the frameworks for management consulting and the skills to become an effective consultant by looking at the following discussion points. Number one, engagement and implementation. Number two, strategy for follow-up engagements. Number three, an overview of consulting skills. And number four, a real-life management consulting case study. My name is Tinoke Akinbulomo. Goodbye and God bless.